Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week and I guide you gently through another show. We've got a special guest host this week. Frank Washgood's having a well-deserved vacation. We've got Ewan Larkin with us, who's a PR Week reporter. How are you doing, Ewan? I'm very well, Steve. Glad to be here. Calling in from New Jersey and uh, calling in from Chicago, Kathy Krenger, who's the global CCO of Kraft Heinz. Kathy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to chat. And uh, we'll get through a, an interview with Kathy, and then we'll talk about some topical subjects. PR Week's uh, unveiled its 2022 Purpose Awards shortlist prior to our big event in, in Chicago, actually, in October. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Edelman. We always tend to have a t- one topic per podcast about Edelman, and uh, this week's no different. We, we'll talk about a couple of interesting pieces of work and uh, how they choose whether to work with people or not. Lyft has hired WE as their PR AOR. Lots of acronyms there. So uh, we'll talk about that. The Diversity Marketing Consortium. It's added a couple more agencies. Interesting story there. And an interesting story about TikTok stars almost launching a sort of a, not a boycott, but a, a people over prime pledge. So we'll chat about that and maybe some implications around that for influencer marketing. But uh, Kathy, let's start with you. You joined Kraft Heinz last year. It's already over a year. Came from Hyatt Hotels and you joined to be global CCO. You took over from a long-standing incumbent, Michael Mullen, uh, who retired in last August after 23 years. So tell us how it's been. How's that first year been? And how was it joining at such an interesting time? And, and you know, it's been a it's been a tumultuous time for everyone, hasn't it? Um, yeah. With COVID and everything else. So, yeah, how's it been? It's been really great. Um, I will admit, I really underestimated the challenges of starting a new role remotely and virtually. You know, I, I think as communicators, we're just such um, people, people, you know, we want to know who we're talking to and get to know people. And it was hard to do that virtually. So it wasn't a Kraft Heinz thing. It was more a me thing that uh, was an added challenge. But you know, a year in, I feel like this is this is family and working in a company that's in the midst of a, a massive and, and really incredible transformation has been really exciting. Um, it, the journey that we're on with our CEO, Miguel Patricio, is really, really quite exciting and just kind of gets me up in the morning. So it makes it all worthwhile. I'm glad to be here. And, you know, we're we're just looking at, there's so many different things happening within, like when you think about the food space and with COVID and with a big company and remote work, but you have factories that aren't remote work and, you know, inflation and just so many different things. But honestly, just working with these beloved brands is is what, what makes it so great. It's about making life delicious here. And that's what we do. Yeah, it's worth remembering that, that not everyone has the luxury of being able to work from home like like we do, and that many people have been working throughout, and right, whether they're essential workers, whether on the manufacturing lines, whether they're delivering goods, et cetera, in, et cetera, in the supply chain. So that's a good point. But um, you talked about you reporting directly into the CEO, which is important, and it almost feels like the – and we've been talking about this a lot on PR Week – 
that the comms function has taken on an even more importance over that time. You know, if you think back to March 2020, that it's almost been not a wake-up call for organizations, but the C-suite and the CEO really understands more than ever the importance of, of great communication, whether that's internal employee engagement, whether that's crisis, whether that's purpose, whether it's healthcare, all of those things. So talk to us about that and how that's played into the business and business transformation, of course, because I think every every enterprise is transforming, isn't it, with, the, yeah. with what's been going on in the world and what's been going on with COVID. So just talk us through that and how you've how you've deployed that and how you've approached that over over the past year. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, I think Miguel, when you, when you make a change like this, and in, in, in my decision making process, you know, understanding the vision and, and and plan and the strategy that the CEO has was super important to me, as well as just his personality. And he comes from a CMO background in his past, and so he understands communications and the power of that, which is a huge win for anybody in, in a CCO role. Uh, that was huge for me. But also, we're a company that really looks at employee engagement in a way that I have almost never seen before at the level of um, you know measuring it and and responding to things. Um, so it's been critically important for communications to play a major role in that piece as well. And, you know, when Miguel came in in 2019, before the pandemic, he knew he had to make a lot of changes within like the organization and making sure that the right structure was in place, the operating model to help his vision come to life. Um, you know, he waited for communications kind of to be the last piece for his his transformation because he wanted to make sure that all those other bits were kind of right set first. And so that was the huge advantage I think that I had was I saw the progress that was happening in pretty much every area of the company. And I was able to come in and truly evaluate what was needed from a communication standpoint. And I had the knowing that I had the the backing and frankly the encouragement of our CEO was huge. You know, it wasn't as simple as saying, "Oh, I need all this immediately now, make it happen." But he understood the strategy. He was acutely aware of how important communicating to our employees was and continues to be after having gone through, especially the pandemic, and he was extremely supportive in the fact that he understood we had a lot that needed to be fixed. You know, we had some reputational challenges because we weren't necessarily out there talking about what we were doing and the changes that we were making. And so it was kind of this amazing opportunity to have a bit of a clean slate to start with. But you know, and I'm sure you've all heard this phrase a million times, but it was truly, you know, building the plane while flying it because there wasn't a moment of just okay, take your take a break and go figure this out. It was like okay, we have to get going immediately, as well as you know we have to transform the communications function itself and and look towards the future. So it's been kind of wearing that dual hat and making sure that we're moving forward, thinking about what we need now and forever, as well as kind of evaluating where we've been and how we can you know help improve our storytelling and our reputation internally and externally. Um, and we have a huge role to play in that. And it's it's really been quite exciting. And I will say, uh, you know, I, I still talk to Michael once in a while. You know, he had it off into retirement, rightly so, but he had 
20 plus years experience. So there were times where I, I had little nuanced things where I've had, I've yeah, reached out to him to get his thoughts and he's been great. So um, even texted with him this morning about something. So, <laughs> Well, you, you had a little bit of crossover, didn't you, at the start yeah, as well, which was, was yeah. good. So that I bet that was good. Yeah, look, you, you're running a massive food company, food and beverage company. You're going to have things where well, you've, got, you've got the Capri Sun recall at the moment. Every food company is going to have things like that. So you've got to react on a dime. Like you said, you've got to be agile. You've got to have that mentality that communicators come with. But then you've got those longer term things, putting systems in place, the employee engagement, et cetera, et cetera. What are the one or two things? You also had a bit of a great opportunity by the sound of it to build a comms function, not from yeah. scratch, but but to, you know, really put something in place. So what were the one or two things that really led your thinking around doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me in the very beginning, it was really focusing on the external first. I had a couple of people that had had some tenure here still working on um, internal communications, but we really needed to shift our thinking and tell the positive stories of the company, make sure that our brands were getting the attention that they needed, our corporate brand as well. And in very short order, we we're able to turn that tide. We did a reputation study very early on when I got here just to make sure I didn't make assumptions about what the key um, topics and, and messages that were important to our stakeholders were. You know, I thought I knew that, but I wanted to make sure. And so we went out and talked to consumers and customers and employees and analysts and just really got a good sense of, you know, do we have stories to tell in those spaces? And we did and we do. And so getting out there as fast as possible and building our external team and building a, a very integrated news engine organization globally was hugely important. And then, you know, we've seen our, our change in tone shift from being 22% positive and 31% negative to being 50% positive and only 9% negative, you know, neutral is the rest. So we're, we've seen in very short time, the change happen by being very proactive and telling our story um, and focused on external. So that's really where we started. And now we've gotten to the point where we've built out that internal comms team as well. Um, you know, still, still some, you know, hires to be made, of course. And, you know, for me, it's, it's the opportunity to be telling these stories, you know, and being a communicator at Kraft Heinz is really just, you're at the front lines, lines of telling like one of the most interesting comeback stories of the last decade, really, as a company, but even with our brands. I mean, they're winning incredible awards. And, you know, I think, you know, some brands that, we just got. We just saw something come through on CNN over the weekend that we've been working on for some time about Velveeta staging a comeback, and you know, it's just it's just really an exciting time to be here to see what all is happening at an organization that I think you know years ago maybe people kind of forgot about a little bit. And for me, as a foodie and and having grown grown up in this space, I I couldn't wait to be part of that. So. Um, Really, we've been able to transform and build a team, and it's been outstanding. And, you know, one recent change that we made literally within the last month is we brought our North American team into the global communications team. And that, again, became a bit of like, okay, well, our world headquarters is in 
um, North America. Our our largest region, our largest zone is North America. We should be more consolidated and work more linked than, you know, separate. They're not separate entities. It's really, you know, one batch of storytelling. So that was something that, you know, it took me a good six, eight months to kind of figure out that was the best way to structure things. But it's it's been great because really it's bringing people together um, and finding ways that we can be more integrated and collaborative. Yeah, it's, those structural things, some of them have got legacy right. arrangements that have gone back decades, haven't they, that, that nobody's really thought about and having yeah. that fresh look. Was there anything, you, you, you came from Hyatt, the hotel hospitality industry, which clearly had a, a crazy couple of years and, and yeah. during COVID. Were there any lessons you brought from that that particularly you know, helped you sort of bring, it, bring that fresh perspective? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest, and you kind of brought, brought this up in the early part of the, the conversation here, was the importance of internal communications and employee engagement. I mean, never in my life did I feel that my role was so important and vital to so many people than going through the beginning of the COVID emergency um, back in 2020. Um, every single thing we did impacted people so in so many ways, our guests, our employees, but, you know, having it at Hyatt, we had like 120, 140,000 employees. They needed care and they needed to understand how we were going to help them get through this stage. And we were, we were going to have to furlough a tremendous number of people and, you know, staying in contact with them and communicating them was so important. And, so that has just become core to who I am as a communicator now. You know, it, it definitely wasn't what where I started in my career was not with an internal mindset. And I was more focused on c consumer communications and brand communications. And, you know, going in-house, you realize how integral and important that is to an organization. And, you know, like I said, I'm very lucky to have a leadership team, partners, a CEO who believes that as well. But Coming from Hyatt, I have so many proof points that I can share of how we made a difference and how it really kept people connected and together. And we can do that as, as communicators. It's a hugely yeah. powerful tool that we have. Yeah, and great having a CEO, like you said, who comes from a marketing background as well. So that's um, it's good to see people ascending to the highest levels coming from the marketing yes. and communications function. So that's, that's always a, a story to celebrate. Well, great to chat, Kathy, and we're looking forward to getting your input to our stories. But yeah, continued uh, good fortune and uh, on the journey that you've started there sounds uh, fascinating. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks. Yeah, no, no worries. Let's talk about some of the big stories of the week. One of them is our own story, right? So we PR Week unveiled its Purpose Awards shortlist for 2022. Um, this week and really important program which will be celebrated in Chicago. So you and talk us through that. Yeah, thanks for that, Steve. Uh, this morning, PR Week unveiled the shortlist for its 2022 Purpose Awards, as you mentioned. You can find all of the nominees on the PR Week website. And while you're there, you should be sure to grab your tickets for the Purpose Awards celebration, which is on October 11th, and also part of the PR Week decoded two-day conference in Chicago. Yeah, so we're coming to Chicago, Kathy, and we're celebrating purpose, and we're also having purpose as the focus of the conference, Purpose Evolved. So talk to us about how you've approached that at Craft Homes, because, you know, purpose has been a big topic for the last five, ten years. And, and when economic times change or, you know, big geopolitical stuff is happening, maybe it sometimes gets put in the background. But how do you ensure it's authentically at the front of what you're doing and, and your communications? 
Yeah, absolutely. Purpose is really core to Kraft Heinz, and it's really about making life delicious for every stakeholder, every group, um, our consumers, you know, our, our employees. And I mean, you cannot walk through the halls of this building without knowing what our purpose is and talking about that. I, I think, you know, we start a lot of our meetings by talking about what's made your day delicious or your week delicious or your life delicious. It's kind of the way we speak and think about how we serve others. Um, and we can make we can make their lives a little bit better with, with what we produce. So it's not really fallen by the wayside for us. And I think the other, it really connects so much to our ESG effort, efforts as well. So for us, it's kind of the conversation, you know, that we have every single day. Um, we think about our brands through that lens and it definitely helps us make decisions. You know, if it's not going to truly make someone's life delicious or enhance, you know, their, their day, their meal, their life, we, we have to make some choices sometimes to not do things. So for me, that's just as important with having a purpose is how you bring it to life, but also how you make choices about where you prioritize. So um, I love that you guys celebrate purpose. I, I think it's so important. I got to look through the list and there's some good new faces and, and companies and, and agencies in here, but then there's some of the tried and true, you know, that I've seen before. So um, it's clearly still a huge priority. Yeah, I like that idea. What, what, what's uh, made your life delicious? Maybe we, we should start that, uh, Ewan, and uh, and do that in our daily meetings. I guess as Ewan is a fellow Manchester United supporter, so that's not making our life delicious at the moment, is it? And then we had that little um, spoof with uh, Elon Musk tweeting that he was going to buy the club, which was all one of his funny little jokes. But that, we have, that's our burden, is it, you and yep. as, as, yep. as uh, United fans at the moment? It has not been going well. It hasn't. Yeah, um, Kathy, you mentioned that. I mean, obviously, every business had to make a statement on Russia, for example. So how did you approach that from a communications point of view? You know, the, that geopolitical issue is something that every global company had to approach. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenging experience. And we have a couple of factories in Russia. And for us, that was it was very difficult. You know, we really made sure that we weren't importing or exporting any of our products um, because of the war. And we, we've been donating to a lot of our um, partners that we already work with that are on the ground in Ukraine, for example, you know, um, Rise Against hun Hunger. And we've done things with the Red Cross. And of course, you know, there's been financial contributions, but there's also been food contributions because we know that is hugely important for people that are being displaced. But at the same time, we have employees that are making products, including baby food and in the region. And so we need to make sure that they are able to function and have their products being made and being distributed to the people that need them. You know, I think that was another core thing that came through as a company during the pandemic was we can't close during a terrible, hard, difficult time when there are people in need and that need food. And, you know, we feel very strongly about that. And um, so it's it's very challenging because I know there are so many, the war is, is terrible and it's, and it's horrific, but, um, you know, We've really committed to making sure that um, we're doing the right thing for those that are on the ground that need help and that need food and resources. And we're, we're bringing that to the table and working with our partners to make sure that happens. 
Yeah, and you've stopped new investments and uh, exports to Russia as well. Yep. So, yeah, it's one yep. of those complex issues. And that really informs the next couple of stories, Ewan, which involves Edelman. So talk about those two stories around Live Golf and Standard Bank Group. Yeah, I'll start with the one about Live Golf as it's more recent, but I should preface it by saying that this was first reported by Politico this week. And it's been uncovered that Edelman subsidiary United Entertainment Group worked with a marketing agency called Performance 54 to help launch the Live Golf League. Now, an Edelman spokesperson did tell PR Week that Edelman does not have a relationship with Live Golf, only that the United Entertainment Group took on a project a year ago for Performance 54, which concluded in March of this year. The spokesperson added that that project didn't require a filing with the justice. And I think it's also important to mention that Politico also reported last month that Edelman had partnered with uh, Saudi Arabia to help better market the country as a tourism and culture destination. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a topic every agency has to and every business has to address. Like, what clients do we work with? What parts of the world do we work with? What sort of work do we do? So, and as Edelman's the largest PR firm in the world, they're often the focus of a lot of these stories. You know, it's worth pointing out this weekend there's a massive world championship boxing fight: uh, Anthony Joshua against Alexander Usyk in Saudi Arabia, and uh, there's a lot of sporting events that happen there. And, um, you know, there's broadcasters involved, there's many businesses operating there, there's many agencies operating there, but it's all about your core values and sticking to your mission and and um, navigating them and they, they're complex issues. And there was another one this uh, week as well, wasn't there, you and that came up in the media with uh, Edelman and Standard Bank Group? Yeah, there was. And Edelman spokesperson confirmed to PR Week that that agency uh, between or that relationship between Edelman and Standard Bank Group has mutually, they've mutually agreed to put uh, to not extend that relationship beyond December 2022. Uh, due to confidentiality agreements, Edelman couldn't share more details on the split. But according to a, a South African news outlet called Fin24, who also first reported the news, People close to the issue have said that Edelman refused to provide PR support on the East African crude oil pipeline, which uh, Standard Bank is rumored to be working on. And the news comes after Edelman vowed to make climate a priority last year and after they recently wrapped up a client review in January of this year. Yeah, Edelman's been under the spotlight for its work with energy companies, and they did a full review of that work. And I guess maybe this was part of that. We can't confirm that because they didn't uh, say that. But uh, it sounds like that was one that they decided to pull back from. So, you know, you've got them doing that in one part of the world and then working with Live Golf and another. Really complex decisions. Kathy, you used to work at Edelman. I mean, I'm sure being the biggest in the world had great advantages, but it also means you're under the spotlight, doesn't it? So how did, what's your take on that and how agencies can take a view on what sort of clients to work with and what sort of work to do? Yeah, I don't envy any of them for kind of having to think through all those details. You know, when you're, both of these examples is working with a, a client that has a different remit but then they're connected or they're working with another group that ends up being a little bit different than what they maybe had. I, I can't speak for them directly, but I'm looking at the at this a bank article, for example. I can imagine sure, yeah, that an investment it wasn't the about the pipeline in, yeah. when they started working with them, right? So yeah, there's things exactly. like that that you have to just, it's never a one and done, I guess is the point, is everything shifts. If we know anything in communications is that Constant is is not a thing. And we, we always have to kind of evaluate who we're working with, what the work is, what the scope is. And, you know, just 
reevaluating. So I think in those cases, I, I think they've done the right thing and done good things. And I appreciate, especially Edelman, working with energy companies and doing that extra evaluation. I think it's super important. And it's just like anything you do in, internally in your company. You know, we're all trying to do what's right by climate and sustainability and environment. And there's so many layers to that. It's not that clean cut remove all plastics. It's, it's, there's so many things that go into it. And so making sure that you're keeping track of where we are and all those processes and doing our best and not changing something to be actually worse in a different way when you're making that shift. So I understand that it's highly complex. And I think, you know, I appreciate that. I believe most agencies out there um, are really trying to do what's right and, you know, sometimes it's just you have to look under the covers a little deeper. And that's and that's what many of them are doing. Yeah, it is complex. Weber Shandwick, for example, has made a decision not to work on behalf of any foreign governments. That's yep. something they've decided and they, they're not going to do it. Uh, we know there are a lot of companies, agencies that do work in, in various parts of uh, the Arabian Peninsula, including Saudi Arabia and I guess a, a, someone, someone like Crafter and other big companies, you, you know, you have to decide what sort of events you're going to sponsor and what sort of commercial partnerships you're going to do, and that's where that's where those decisions come in there, as I, I guess, Kathy. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think for us, so much is tied to tackling hunger in the world, yeah. and for us, again, going back to our purpose, is we need to make sure that that's the focus of where we're putting our energy and our time. Um, and it helps us make those choices a little bit easier. Um, does it mean that solving it is easy? You know, of course, it's an ongoing challenge. And some of those, and it's constantly shifting. Where's the challenge? You know, a year or two ago, you saw a lot in Europe when there was that influx of refugees. Now we're seeing it again with Ukraine. And, you know, so there's just so many needs out there and we want to make sure that we're able to solve that for as many people as possible. There's just, you know, food insecurity should not be a problem. And it is, of course, even in our own country at times. And so yeah. that's that's our number one priority. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you and Lyft has hired a new PR agency. Talk us through it. Yeah. Dominic Carr, who I uh, had the pleasure of speaking with last week on the podcast, has said that we will be helping Lyft pretty much across the board, including corporate, consumer, social impact, technology, uh, and data and analytics work. Lyft chose we after what Dominic described as a lightweight RFP process, and it followed a big in-house comms investment at Lyft as well, which Dominic also spoke about last week, um, where they brought on new senior hires from places like Meta, Apple, and Amazon. But a big part of Lyft's mission, as I understand, is to transform uh, consumer transportation. So it'll be interesting to see how we plays a factor in that. Yeah, and I think uh, Dominic used to work at Microsoft, obviously a big client of we. So that's an example of you know uh, an agency benefiting from that sort of relationship. Katy, have you had a look at your agency relationships as part of your review of the comms team over the last year? Or is that uh, something maybe for the future? Yeah, no, we ha we have actually. And um, last fall, the North America comms team, so as I said, that we were a bit separate, they were doing a review of their brand PR agencies. And um, I, of course, was involved in that and listened through those, et cetera, and um, was thinking about similarly, you know, making a change within our, you know, first year from a corporate agency. We really didn't corporately use agencies a whole lot. Um, but I, you know, coming from an agency, I see the advantage of having fresh thinking and experts that can 
really dig in on things when we're so busy just in our business every day. So going through that RFP process with the North America team gave me a new introduction to a number of agencies and I made the decision. So I guess you could call it a light RFP as well <laughs> because we didn't really issue one t- completely formally. But then um, we brought in Zeno um, probably, I think it was March of this year. Um, and I had worked with them at Hyatt. So I have to admit, you know, um, they had already done great work for me. And then when they went through the RFP process on our brand PR side for North America and did so well, we decided to bring them in for corporate as well. So they're outstanding. They're doing a great job. And you know, I, I felt instead of going through the entire process and length of time for a full RFP, having listened through the other one for North America just helped me make that decision. Yeah, it's always uh, it's a benefit of experience and having relationships. So, yeah, yeah That's right. uh, interesting stuff. Another interesting agency related story, Ewan, is that this diversity marketing consortium, which we've you've written about a couple of times, and they've added a, two more agencies to their roster. Yeah, they have. Inkhouse and Number 29 have joined the Diversity Marketing Consortium, bringing the total number of marketing and communications agencies in the organization to 10, along with venture capital firm Harlem Capital. Uh, Just as a bit of background, the Diversity Marketing Consortium, or the DMC as it's commonly referred to, helps provide pro bono communication services to women and people of color-led startups. Uh, The founding partners are Source Code Communications, Harlem Capital, Cheer Partners, and Superbolt, but it also includes other agencies like Peppercom, Clarity, Racepoint Global, Praytel, and Max Borges Agency. But the big news in adding two more agencies is that the DMC can now service up to eight additional clients per year, um, which equates to more than roughly 200,000 worth of pro bono services a year provided to diverse founders on an annual basis. Yeah, I like this, actually. I like this uh, giving back element to this, and uh, I think it's a neat idea, and uh, long may it continue. So, uh, yeah, congrats to the agencies who are putting something back in that way. And finally, we're going to talk about TikTok stars, because they've launched a bit of a sort of boycott with their People Over Prime pledge, and an interesting story in the relation to creators and influencers, Ewan. Yeah, this is an interesting story. A group of 70 TikTok creators uh, who have roughly uh, 51 million followers combined is pressuring Amazon to meet the demands of its labor union. Uh, And some of those demands include a $30 minimum wage, increased paid time off, and halting activities that the TikTok group considers union busting. Uh, The creators have said that they will cease all partnerships with Amazon if the company does not comply with the demands. Um, I should mention that this news was reported by the Washington Post and that the campaign is being called by uh, the TikTok stars as the People Over Prime Pledge. Yeah, it's interesting, Kathy, that the power of influencers, the power of social media is something you can't escape now in communications, marketing and branding. And I'm sure Craft Times works with lots of different influencers and through platforms. But also, you, you've got to pick the right partners, haven't you? And you've got to be aware that you're not you're not really totally in control and that's that's one of the great benefits of it but it's also something you've got to be aware of when maybe it turns around like this yeah absolutely i mean our our brand teams do quite a vetting process when we're working with any kind of social media influencers i will say one of the places where we have the most fun with social media and you know tiktok and and all the different platforms is seeing consumer generated or influencer generated content that involves our products, it's really helped to spark some of the creative thinking that comes out of some of our um, brand teams because, you know, we see how our products get used. So, but at the same time, you have to be very careful that it 
these, you know, those folks align with our values and, you know, we're consumer obsessed, but we also demand diversity and we have, you know, a lot of values that we stand by and want to make sure that anybody that we work with, you know, meets the, that same criteria and believes the same things we do. Yeah, because you've got these iconic brands that, that Jell-O, you know, Oscar Mayer, Lunchables, Philadelphia, Heinz, these things can really take off, can't they? And the old adage, or how can you, I guess, because you were at Edible and CRISPR, the yep. the food parts of Edelman, I bet clients used to come to you and say, oh, how can you make us go viral? But oh. it, it doesn't quite work like that, does it? No, it doesn't. Anytime you say you want to go viral, you can almost guarantee that you won't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I think I think the the power of social media just keeps getting stronger and stronger. I think as long as you're having fun with it and you um, you know it's authentic, it just has to be authentic. You can't you can't force it. And so you've seen brands that that do well in this space. It's because the story is great, and it just kind of comes back to what's core about who we are and what we do is it is storytelling. So something will quote unquote go viral if the story matters to consumers, if it matters to people. So that then it just becomes where's the right platform or who's the right voice. Um, but the story is really what, what matters and that's up to us. Yeah. And, then, and that's when the PR mentality, the agile sort of acting quickly um, really comes in, isn't it? It's not like you're putting an ad campaign together and you've right. got six six months to shoot it. You got to you got to go immediately or not go. Right, that's the decision right. you got to make, and uh, that's yeah. where I think that that agility that that comms people have really really takes over in those sort yeah, of circumstances. We, we also have an in-house creative agency here um, called The Kitchen, and that helps us so much because they're here, they're on on site, they're part of who we are, so we're able to collaborate and move very quickly. Um, with still, you know, some outside agency expertise, but then to create the content, if we want to push something out on social, it just happens so much faster. And it, it, it's a huge advantage that we have a lot of fun with, but it really, we, we see it working. Yeah, for sure. Listen, Kathy, great to chat and uh, lots of topics as usual and good to get your perspectives on them. So, uh, yeah, well, we hope we'll see you in Chicago for PR Decoded. That sounds great. It was a pleasure to join you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and thank you, Ewan. Always a pleasure. Yeah, no problem at all. So happy to be here. And uh, don't forget, our Best Places to Work scheme has launched. The call for entries is out there, so make sure your organization is registered, and then we'll get the survey out to your people. And you'll find that on our usual channels, Breakfast Briefing, social media, and our website. Uh, the PR Week Awards are open for nominations. The first deadline is the 28th of September. The second one, I believe, is the 12th of October, but uh, that'll come up quickly and after Labor Day, so make sure you're working on those. We mentioned the PR Decoded and Purpose Awards event in Chicago. That's the 11th and 12th of October. It's going to be mega. It's the first time we've been together since 2019 for the conference, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Really looking forward to being with everyone in Chicago again. 40 Under 40 event, we released the... Uh, names of the folks on the list this year. We le released that last week and we'll be celebrating with them in New York City on the 27th of October. And uh, if you're looking for some intel as you come up to the last quarter of the year on salaries in the industry, check out our salary survey, premium edition. It's really packed full of great information and intelligence about the uh, future of work and salaries in the industry. But uh, so, yeah. Lots of stuff to engage with on PR Week, but that's all we've got time for on the podcast. We'll see you next time on the PR Week.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.